Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're taking up the second statement Jesus made from the cross as he hung between two thieves. Both saw the same thing, heard the same thing, yet one received him, one rejected him. The one that received him, he simply said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, our great future we have in Jesus. Let's go to the word of God and find out about that second statement Jesus made from the cross. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I began a series yesterday and we have been going on for seven days and we will be speaking for seven days and teaching for seven days on the seven statements Jesus made from the cross before he died on the cross. And this is all leading up to Easter Sunday. And that will be again the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as I told you yesterday, my fav- this is absolutely my favorite holiday. I mean, it's better than Christmas because when Jesus came into this earth, he came to save us. But again, he didn't save us. But what he did on the cross did save us. And on the cross, he bore our sins, judged our sins, and then three days later rose from the dead. And Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It's not his birth that saved us. Listen to me carefully. It's not his cross that saved us. It was the resurrection that saved us. The cross put away the problem. The resurrection brought the answer. The cross was death, but the but the resurrection was life. And he didn't come to kill us. He came to raise us from the dead. And so that's the beauty of it. So we celebrate that. Like I said yesterday, I mean, I think the cross around your neck, you know, empty cross, that's wonderful. But I think the absolute best thing you could have around your neck would be a rock with a hole in it because the grave is now empty. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And so I did mention that one time and a guy went out, a jeweler went out and made him and had a little golden rock with a hole in the middle of it. And, and you know, he said he had explained to people what it was, but when he did, it started, they started to sell. So anyway, for you entrepreneurs out there, again, don't make this thing out of Jesus and all that. Just understand something. That to me is the greatest thing of all. In fact, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you don't confess the fact that Jesus was crucified. You confess the fact that he was raised from the dead. That's where your salvation came from. And that's what brought eternal life to us if we accept it. So Luke chapter 23, let's take a look at verse 42 through verse 43, these two verses. And today we're going to take up the second statement Jesus made on the cross. This was to the thief on the cross who accepted him as Lord and Savior just before he died. I just, think about this, wonderful. Even on the cross, Jesus was fulfilling what he came for. Jesus came to save, to seek and to save those who were lost. And I was one of them. And so was this thief on the cross. And Jesus led him to the Lord when this man asked this question and made this comment to Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verse 42. And he said to Jesus, this is the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, I don't think that the man represented the fact right now he wanted to go to paradise. He accepted him and said, now, I know you're gonna have a kingdom. I wanna be part of that kingdom yet to come. And as far as that man was concerned, it might be just a few months away, but literally it's been almost 2000 years and the kingdom hasn't come yet, but will come at the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. He said, that's what I wanna do is be part of that kingdom. But Jesus said to him today, I tell you, you're going to be with me in paradise. And that's what happened again. This man, when he died, went to paradise. Jesus eventually came and emptied paradise, took it up to heaven at his resurrection and ascension. 
And so here we have the fact again that Jesus was leading him to the Lord. This is the purpose of why Jesus came again, to seek and to save that which was lost. And even the cross didn't stop him. Even the pain of the cross didn't stop him. Even the multitudes screaming at him, even the others out there that were spitting on him, throwing things at him, whatever it may be, making fun of him on the cross. The beatings couldn't stop it and the whippings couldn't stop it. The nailing him on the cross couldn't stop it. The nails at his feet didn't stop it. And yet just before Jesus is dying, he is again leading people to the Lord. This is what he came for. This is what causes angels in heaven to rejoice. We rejoice on this earth when someone gets into an office like a president. Ooh, we like this guy. So there's rejoicing on the conservative side. Next time there might be some rejoicing on the liberal side, but we do that. But you know what? Angels don't rejoice in heaven over every president that's elected. Angels rejoice in heaven over every sinner that repents. And so there's lots of things down here we rejoice in and rightfully should rejoice in. But what heaven rejoices is, is eternal things. A president is not eternal and all these other things are not eternal. But I can tell you this, this person that got saved just received eternal life will be in heaven with Jesus forever. And Satan can't take that away from them. So it's no accident. Jesus was hung between two thieves. God foresaw it and Isaiah foretold it. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, he was numbered with the transgressors. That included everybody that was present the soldiers in front of him, the crowd that was in front of him, the two thieves that were beside him, except for probably Mary and John that stood out there with the crowd. And, you know, in a certain group of women that were out there, they were believers. But the rest of the multitude that stood out there yelling at him, spitting at him, cursing at him, accusing him, mocking him, making fun of him. Jesus died for those that were standing out there in front of him. We know this, the man that was beside him, the thief received Jesus. We know that some of the uh, soldiers also received Jesus. We talked about that last time when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so even in his death, he was seeing people saved. So let's come back to it again. Although they're called thieves here on this verse of scripture, let's wipe out the modern day word thief, okay? These were not guys that robbed to 7-Eleven on the corner. You don't get crucified for this. You don't get capital punishment for this. These were not petty thieves. They were gangsters. They were criminal, part of murder incorporated. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 gives us a parable there. And in the parable, it says this, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and left who departed, leaving him half dead. The thieves almost killed this guy, but they usually did kill them. They thought the guy was dead, but he was only half dead. And of course, this is the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And so it says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem, Jericho. This was a rich man and fell among thieves. These were the thieves that stayed on the side of the road and they would murder people for, if they saw them coming, if they had on nice clothing or anything like that, they would murder them and steal all their possessions. They didn't care about life. They only cared about that. And it became so bad in the areas around Jericho and around in Jerusalem and this part of the Roman Empire that they actually brought in soldiers that would camp along the side of the road and they would take these guys once they found them doing this and take them in and made a public display of them and crucified them for killing people on the side of the road and for taking their possessions from them. All they were was just thieves. These aren't petty thieves. These are criminals. And so that's why they were hanging there next to the next to him. Why thieves? Why was Jesus crucified between two thieves? Why did Jesus have all these unbelievers standing in front of him? Why did Jesus, again at that time when it said he was numbered with the transgressors, why? Why thieves? Because they represent all mankind. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. These men that were hanging there, 
He was not there to die for the righteous. He was our substitute. We are the thieves that were on each side of him. They represent all mankind. They represent Bob. They represent Jim. They represent uh, Linda that's watching this broadcast right now. All of you that were there, uh, that are here, now, in essence, we're there by two representatives hanging on each side of him because they represent all mankind. And so again, he was our substitute. We are the thieves. The two thieves were imprisoned at the same time. They had to be, to be crucified together. They had to be imprisoned together. To be imprisoned together, they had to be tried at the same time. To be tried at the same time, they had to be arrested at the same time. To be arrested at the same time, they had to be committing the crime together. So these two men left prison together. The two thieves were imprisoned at the same time. They left prison together. They traveled to Calvary together and were crucified together. They probably knew each other for years as criminals. Perhaps they even started out in high school together, going way back, and they both, you know, they didn't like school, and they would rather just go out and run around and have fun, but they didn't make enough money. They probably had a small job carrying, you know, throwing newspapers, something like that, and decided one day, man, there's a whole lot more money in crime. And if we just won't get caught, think how much money we can have. So they joined a criminal bunch and they started killing people. They were the ones that stood on the side of the road and they probably started out as just little petty thieves. And they started out, you know, as, 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 uh, you know, juvenile delinquents. And instead of getting caught and being put in some kind of place for young kids, no, they, they were out on the side of the road and older men taught them how to do all these things. And so again, they knew each other as criminals. They probably ran with the same criminal gang together. They probably heard of Jesus' ministry and miracles before prison. Think about this. They probably, as they grew up, 20s, 30s years old, by this time, they were meeting for breakfast, planning out their day, and they probably had a Jerusalem post sitting in front of them. And as they looked at the paper, they said, look at this Jesus guy he walks on water. And somebody says, man, I wish we could pull that off. You know, he probably knows where the rocks are just to step in the right spot. On the, you know, they laughed about it. Oh, look at this. He fed 5,000 people and supposedly multiplied a few loaves and fishes. Don't you know there must have been a bread truck around the, behind that mountain over there? And they kept bringing this to Jesus and he kept acting like he was doing all this stuff. Boy, this guy's got a racket going, you know, never met him, never heard a sermon, never did any of that. And they probably thought that's all they knew about Jesus. So they probably heard of Jesus' ministry and miracles long before they got to prison because his fame went throughout all that area, except many of them never came to the meetings and then many of them never accept him as Lord and Savior. These two thieves were part of it. So again, they both left the cell and traveled the same streets with Jesus. And so when they did that, they saw everything. They saw, listen, they were probably in prison and they were there behind bars knowing their time was come, you know, they're gonna die. And man, they were, you know, they hated it, but they'd already gone through all the trial and all that. And then this man comes in with, with uh, you know, with guards around him and they're beating him up. I mean, they're just beating and beating and beating him. In fact, they were told they put a sack over his face and they would beat Jesus in the face and say, if you're a prophet, prophesy who's hitting you. And Jesus as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. Then they saw him whipped and whipped and whipped and tied to a post. They kept thinking, man, we've done some bad stuff, but whatever this guy has done, he must have tried to kill, uh, you know, the Caesar. He must have tried and all this stuff. They kept imagining how bad this guy was, how bad this guy was. And, you know, after a while, they probably yelled out to him and said, Jesus. And they went, Jesus, you think this is that same Jesus we read about in the paper? I mean, he might've been a huckster, but do you think he's, he's worth all this? And they kept beating him up and beating him up. They saw all this. And then later on, when they had to walk down the streets, 
and Jesus fell under the load of that thing, of that cross. They looked at him, they kept thinking, what has he done? Why is it so bad? All this stuff. And then to get by the time when he was crucified, they basically found out he'd done nothing. This guy had been set up and they were trying to kill him before he ever got to the cross. That's what the Pharisees wanted. And that's what these soldiers were doing. It wasn't until the government stepped in, one of the leaders of the government stepped in, why are you doing this? This man hasn't done this much. In fact, this was the man that even though he was beaten and nailed and all that stuff, even the uh, the magistrate wife had a dream about him, said he's an innocent man. And that magistrate even found him, Pilate found him as innocent and said before the people, I washed my hands of this man and washed and his hands and said, the blood of this man is no longer on me. Well, it was because he sentenced him and basically turned him over to the Pharisees to see sentencing and the, and the Pharisees counseled with the Romans and they sentenced him and Jesus went to the cross. All of this happened. And these guys are there saying, you know, we never saw his face. We never heard him preach a sermon, but we never thought it would be this bad, you know? And we think what we have done, we've actually killed people. I'm not sure this Jesus has killed anybody. We murdered people just for their gold and silver and their clothing and all that kind of stuff. And now this guy comes along and they probably had all these questions in their mind when they saw all these things happening. And I want you to understand there were two of them. They both saw the same thing. We'll get more into this when we come back from the break. I know you're gonna be blessed by this. I'll see you right after halftime. Jesus' final words, the last seven statements that he made before descending and ultimately ascending from earth into heaven, hold great significance for both the believer and for the world. In this six-part topical study, Pastor Bobby Indian closely examines and explains the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. Studying those statements carefully sheds light on their significance in the lives of believers today. Message titles include Father Forgive Them, Today in Paradise, Behold Your Son, My God, My God, I Thirst, It Is Finished, and Father Into Your Hands. To order Seven Sayings from the Cross, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic 
basics of what the word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming. And seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two week period, five nights a week, or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. Again, let's talk about this again. The two thieves were imprisoned at the same time. Next of all, they both watched Jesus' reaction. They saw Jesus beaten. They saw him nailed, yet he never opened his mouth. The Bible says, quoting out of Isaiah, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. They both heard Jesus pray from the cross for them. They both heard him pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When crucified, both spoke evil of Jesus, and they spoke the evil to Jesus. Matthew 27 and verse 44 says, the thieves, that's both of them who were crucified with him, also reviled him. What did they do? They joined in with the crowd. The crowd was out there saying, if you're really the son of God, step off the cross, Command the angels to come and to set you free and just step off the cross if you're in the Son of God. And the two thieves, one on each side, started shouting the same thing. Yeah, if you're really the Son of God, get off the cross. Neither one had probably ever heard a sermon by Jesus. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, they weren't there when he said that. They weren't there to hear, the, see the miracles that he did. They probably never witnessed one miracle before their death. They didn't see the multitudes healed. They didn't see water turned to wine. But because his fame spread everywhere, they must have heard of him again and his works. I pointed that out. They were probably having orange juice one morning, you know, some eggs and a few things before they went on to do their work that day and looked at the paper. And they probably again ridiculed him and, and talked about how Jesus supposedly did all these things. They probably thought, man, if we could have a racket like that, we wouldn't have to go out and kill all these people. We just make money off the crowds. And they thought Jesus was a huckster of hucksters. But you know what? Now they see him standing in front of them and they finally find out this is Jesus. They both have to shake their heads. What has he done? But when they heard the crowds crying out on the while Jesus was on the cross, hey, you prophet, hey, you're the son of God, the king of the Jews. You've done miracles before. Do a miracle now. Just go ahead, get off the cross and come down. And Jesus wouldn't do it. And they start joining in with him. They said the same thing. Yeah, go ahead. So again, they never witnessed his miracles. They didn't live long enough after Jesus died to see the miracles after his death. They didn't see the darkness that covered the earth and feel the earthquake that happened. They didn't see the Old Testament saints come from their graves and walk into Jerusalem. They didn't see the temple veil torn from the top to the bottom, and they didn't see Jesus' resurrection. In other words, they came to the cross after Jesus had committed and done so many miracles, but didn't see him, but they died before these other miracles came. So they never saw a miracle, never did. They probably heard about it, read about it, laughed about it, made fun of it. And now when Jesus is being challenged to do another miracle to save himself, which you'd think he would, he did it for everybody else. Why not do it for himself? He wouldn't do it. So before they were crucified, they might've done a few good works. At the crucifixion, it was not even mentioned because it didn't matter. Works are not the issue. They were thieves. Even 
criminals usually have another side to them that's public and they give money to kids on the streets, they feed people. And what the people see is this, but behind the scenes are that because both good and evil came from Satan. Both good and evil came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can come before God and with your evil and with your good and think my good will outweigh my evil when both are abhorrent in God's sight because they come from human good and human evil. What God is looking for is divine good, divine things for him. And when we do that, but divine good is seeing that Jesus Christ did the work. I can do nothing to add to it. I just receive what he has done. That's what saves me. So at the crucifixion, whatever good works they might have done growing up, they might've actually gone to the synagogue with their moms or dads, and but they never accepted the Lord. They never believed in Jehovah, never put their faith and trust in him, not realizing Jehovah as a human being was being crucified right beside this. Again, works were not the issue. They were thieves. On the cross, they could do no good works to gain salvation. If Jesus would have said, listen, you guys, you know, just just do something. Their hands were nailed. They couldn't go feed the hungry. Their hands were nailed so they couldn't give money to the poor. Their feet were nailed. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't walk forward to an altar to receive Jesus. They couldn't visit the sick or those in prison. So if salvation was determined by works, these guys couldn't work. So again, with all that going on, they could not do anything to get saved. They they could not guarantee doing good works after salvation. They died without getting off the cross. They had no good works to accompany or prove their salvation. It simply comes back to this. The works that you do after salvation are before men, not before God, because you're not saved by works. You're not kept by works, but God saves you unto good works to present before people because man can see on the outside. God's the only one that looks on the heart. God sees your faith on the inside, but people can only see your faith by the works you do on the outside. That's why we're saved unto good works. But these men couldn't do that. They could do nothing to prove they had accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but proving it is not what gets you into heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ gets you into heaven. Salvation comes by simple faith in him. Proving it before people helps them to get saved because they see by outward works what's happened in your heart. So we come back to it again. They had no good works to accompany or to prove their salvation. Again, salvation was completely by God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, eternal life has nothing to do with your good works before or after your salvation. We simply come back to this. Why were there two thieves? If those thieves represent all mankind, why wouldn't one be sufficient? One we could have hung there and he would have proven to us that uh, we can be saved. Uh Uh-uh. Why were there two thieves? Because they represent the two answers to the gospel. They both saw and heard the same things, but they chose different answers. One said yes, the other said no. Both saw Jesus hauled in. Both saw Jesus They put a bag over his face, punched him, asked him to speak up. He would not speak up as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. They saw him beaten, but he still never said anything. When Jesus Christ was laid on the cross and the nails were placed in in his hands and feet, he never said a word. When these two men were laid on the cross, their hands were nailed. History tells us that whenever a man was placed on the cross and again, a person was and the nails were placed into them, the screaming could be heard for miles. Yet Jesus as a sheep before her shears opened not his 
mouth. They both saw the same thing. They both heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They heard these things and saw this and yet one said yes and one said no. Romans 1.20 says this, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. These two men had no excuse for rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yet one did. It comes back to it, whosoever will may come. One willed to say yes and one willed to say no both seeing the same thing, hearing the same thing, visualizing the same thing, making the judgments that they made. One judged him as the son of God. The other said, I don't want him. And that's what it comes down to. Listen, it's up to us to preach the gospel, but it's up to the person to decide to receive Jesus. We can't make them do it. In fact, the Bible tells us the multitudes of this world by a far majority are gonna reject Jesus Christ. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many will be there that find it. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few by comparison. Because when John was in heaven, he saw multitudes which no man could number of every kindred, tribe, and tongue, and nation. He saw that. Yet when it comes uh, to the numbers that go to hell, vast numbers more go to hell than go to heaven because the vast numbers in this earth who see Jesus as the thief on one side said no, the bulk of people say no. But this one man said yes. Again, it comes down to it. We can preach, we can show things, we can tell people, but it comes down to this. Some are gonna say yes and some are gonna say no because it comes to your will. This is not something that God made one say yes and God made one say no. No, the truth of it is, is after seeing this and experiencing this, one decided to say yes and one decided to say no. Both were men and probably of the same nationality. Why is that so important that both were men and probably the same nationality? If they grew up together, they were probably both Jews, probably. I don't know, they might've been Samaritans. I don't know, but the Bible didn't tell us what their nationality was, but they were both men. What if there would have been a man and a woman? Well, if the woman would have said yes, the man would have said no, then women could claim superiority. What was one? What if one was a Jew and one was a Gentile? And the Gentile said yes, the Jew said no, then Gentiles could claim superiority. This isn't made for that. This is simply to show all of us are the same. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are represented by two thieves. The most important thing was not they were the same nationality and not that they were both men. Because women can still say, well, look, the Bible's still prejudiced. You're just talking about men. No, no, no. What this is saying is they were both the same. They represent all mankind. God doesn't see a man coming for salvation or a woman coming for salvation. He sees a sinner coming for salvation. We are all born in sin. Every one of us are born under the curse of Adam. By Satan's uh, effort, came in and convinced man and woman to turn against God. They did. And so since that time, we have been born into this earth under Adam's seed. We now can choose to get out of Adam into Christ. And that's exactly what this one thief on the cross did. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So there was not a man and a woman or a Jew and a Gentile. They were both men and probably both of the same nationality to let us know God sees us all the same on the cross. There's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The choice was theirs, not God. God's sovereignty is seen in the presentation of the gospel to everybody, to all the world, but man's sovereignty is seen in the choosing of eternal life. I'll say that again. God's sovereignty is in the presentation of the gospel to everyone. Man's sovereignty is seen in the choosing for eternal life. Heaven and hell is your choice, not God's. First Timothy chapter two and verse four, who will have all men to be saved 
and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One thief realized this and saw Jesus as God, his savior. Salvation was a gift to be received and paradise was his for the asking. What about you? The thieves represent you and me. You may have never gone to church, heard a sermon, or seen a miracle. You may or may not have done any good works. You may or may not live long enough after you are saved to see good works done to men that you can do. But today you have heard about Jesus and his plan for your eternal life. Eternal life paradise itself is simply a choice to receive him or not to receive him. John 3, 16 and verse 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice this, whoever. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It simply comes down to this, which thief are you? Are you the yes thief or the no thief? Right now you can say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus, Why don't you just simply pray, open up your heart and say, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And when I come to the end of my life, you'll receive me into that kingdom. Thank you so much for it. That's the simplicity of it. Not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he just now saved you. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.